Welcome back to Fight Capital, where we step into the ring of combat sports business. I'm your host, Ryan Rappaport. Today, I'm thrilled to talk with Brian Butler, founder and CEO of Sucker Punch Entertainment. Brian and Sucker Punch have been at the forefront of the exciting evolution of combat sports management, representing athletes like Jens Pulver, Jamal Hill, Rose Namajunas, Li Zhang, and hundreds more. Brian, thanks for joining me today. How are you and where are you joining from? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, uh, I'm here at home, finally, for a little bit, so enjoying a little downtime from travel. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's been a crazy one. A lot of good fights that your team has been in. So obviously, y'all are one of the top agencies, if not arguably the top. Can you give me a little bit of the origin story of Sucker Punch and your work in MMA? Um, so the origin, yeah, I think there was no grand scheme or plan to get into this business. I I owned an ad agency for 13 years, and I was running that successfully and happily, uh, but I did feel that I was sitting behind a computer all day long and meetings and stuff like that. I was just getting fat. So I I joined a, a gym um, to get in shape because I don't really like lifting weights, uh, and I saw this one gym had – it said martial arts, but there was a boxing ring in it because every other martial arts gym I've seen is more of like a McDojo type thing. Um, so I joined this gym because I was intrigued by the boxing ring in there. I felt like it was going to be real practical. Uh, I grew up doing martial arts, traditional martial arts my whole life, and I kind of got bored with it. Um, and uh, th- from there, the owner of the gym realized that I own an ad agency and asked me if I would help him promote a local show. And the first thing I did was uh, I said, yeah, but I'm not going to pay any more gym dues, and that will be my trade-off. And uh, from there, I started planning the marketing for the event and first thing I did was say, let's bring in some special guests so, so we can entice some fans to come buy tickets and get autographs and take pictures. And uh, he said, okay, he's like, I have a connection to Jens Pulver uh, through Duke Rufus. And Jens had just finished being the coach on The Ultimate Fighter. Um, so I was like, heck yeah, I was a huge fan of Jens. I also didn't know the industry very well at all. I just knew in my head the sport was big. Uh, had no idea that it was still the wild, wild west on the infrastructure side of how the business was run outside the UFC. Um, so my, my coach says, yeah, we can get them. But you know, the first signal to me that things were a little bit different than, uh, what I had in my head was when my coach is going to cost us a lot of money to get Jens out here. It's, it might cost us like $2,000. And I was like, well, if that's the case, let's get Pat Militich and Sean Shirk as well, because I was ready to spend like 15, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, so Jens came out, Pat and Sean came out, but Jens and I hit it off right away and uh, I showed him my office downtown and showed him everything that I was, about, what I was about. And he was like, man, this industry needs somebody like you. Would you be my agent? He's like, I'm getting ready to come back and fight Cub Swanson in WEC. Uh, and I was, you know, I was floored and flattered that he asked me and uh, I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll give it a try. And that is when you know sucker punch kind of became a that's why i kind of have 07 on all our stuff because that's when we we started it was the december 07 fight with cub swanson and jans was my first project <laughs> and from there i met jeff curran who fought uriah faber that night and jeff and i hit it off and then jeff ended up giving me his entire fight team and just one thing led to another and here we are 15 years later yeah and it was some legends well and I, one of the things that has struck me about following you for a while now is you just seem to have like a, such a personal relationship with almost everyone i mean these fighters that we've never heard of but we see photos of you back from them like five years ago and like it, it's obviously a very demanding job taking care of so many people 
you know, how do you maintain that work-life balance and what keeps you motivated to continually to provide for these fighters? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that we built the company the proper way, the very slow way where I struggled with it in the beginning. Uh, but I think doing it right set us in motion to where now it's running like a machine and I'm blessed to be in the position that I, I don't have to put my time into people that I don't want to. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm fortunate that I can, I can pass on people or I can, I, or I can bring new people on or stay with people or whatever it is. But basically it's, it's about the culture and, and personality mix as a, not as you know more so than the money, uh, so I can comfortably make decisions or advice for a client based off of what I really feel is best for them, as opposed to me trying to just get a few more dollars out of them or feeling like I'm swindling them for something. Because I know that the management game has that that kind of stigma about it. So uh, for me, it, you know, I'll have fighters that are making a ton of money, and if they lose their footing and start to become you know, divas or superstars and don't listen to logic or reason, I'm totally fine walking away from that. And I'm also fine putting all my time into somebody that doesn't make any money because they're just a good person and they're appreciative and they're working hard and they're doing everything right as a human being, you know. Um, so it, it does get hard. Uh, I do feel that, uh, you know, I, I, I get stretched pretty thin sometimes, but it's also the part of the job that I love the most, right? Like I I enjoy the, the, the people that we work with and I enjoy the fact like when I have a, you know, what I call the manager's hat trick is when you're with someone from the beginning of your, their career and even after they're retired, you, they're still a part of my life, you know. Um, you know, Paul Felder, he and I still talk regularly. Jens Pulver talks to me multiple times a day, you know. Um, so, yeah, I just, I'm fortunate there, I feel. Well, I... And I've heard you say that part of the success as a manager lies in the ability to identify and brand these essentials, uh, these fighters, and essentially like their vibe, right? How do you go through that process of identifying and branding different fighters? They all seem like they, everyone you're working with has like a different vibe, a different market, a different, not shtick, but different, a different, different personality. Well, I think that's why it's important to get to know the, our, you know, the, 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 the client personally so that you can figure it out because I don't know I might have a perception of what the person is like but when I get to really know them I'm like oh completely different than I thought that usually will be the side that I'm trying to push for them to to anchor onto their personal brand because that's what makes people uh want to watch you that's what makes people want to follow you it's it's not the you know I used to have a saying sunglasses inside a building at nighttime that ain't what people like people don't like that shit you know like Whenever I see that, I, it's a, it's cringy to me. Um, I you know that's why when like Jamal Hill, for example, when he was in Rio uh, getting the belt, I, I felt it was really important to capture a lot of that behind the scenes so that people could see what he's really like. You know, because you know everybody gets everybody likes to enjoy the the the, the fame and, and and all of that stuff. But when when you see how they really are behind the scenes, like Jamal making sure he gave time to the Brazilian kids on the beach and coming back and giving them a shirt. Or the part that I thought was the best was when he won the belt and he flew home first class and he and I are sitting up in the plane and he was like, he kept looking back for his coaches. And then he felt uncomfortable leaving his coaches in the main cabin while he was up front and then he got a dessert. So he, he's like sneaking it and wrapping it up in his napkin so that he, he's like, I think, you know, I think Chad will like this. And he, he grabs it and tries to sneak. I'm like, dude, you don't have to sneak that. You know, I was like, just, you know, 
but he goes back and he gives it to his coach. You know, just like that type of stuff. I think is is what makes people you know uh, attached to to someone's personality. And I want those are the types of things that I try to mix in and make sure that they push out with with their brands. Angela Hill is a completely different animal as well. Funny, sarcastic, creative. You know, everybody has their own own thing, and I think it's just important to get to know the athlete so that you can try to pull that out of them. It has to be organic. Yeah, what you said with Jamal too was such a point was so poignant because leading up to that, he wasn't really getting a lot of shine, right? Everything was about Glover and that run and, you know, at his age being able to do it. And I feel like there was a little bit of like an underdog status, obviously, for Jamal going into that, but just seeing how he's grown after that. Honestly, I didn't follow a lot of his content before that, but getting to see his personality around that and after the fact, his stuff is hilarious. I like crack up watching the stuff that I, I get served up a lot on Instagram too. So it's been pretty cool to see how like the people you're working with are growing and exceeding expectations and becoming their own brand, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sometimes takes longer for others to, to really, you know, blossom with it. And sometimes people just shoot out right out, right, right out of the gate, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, Rose Namajunas has a, 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 probably one of the more unique personalities and brands that I've ever dealt with, you know, uh, shoot you know someone like keith lee keith lee he just came up in the mma he doesn't need to fight again for the rest of his life now you know um because he's just doing food critique stuff and it's and it's awesome to see that he's doing it his way uh and he made it on his own uh and you know on his terms i mean it's just really 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 happy to see things like that happen well, it's there's so much that goes into powering that. And I don't think that's a lot of what the fans and casual supporters of the sport understand of what to get brands and to get uh, clients and sponsorships for these athletes. It's not the easiest thing. And I, I love the story that you've told about Alienware and your persistence and the work with Felice and just how it was one thing, right? One tweet that triggered it, but it was, you know, two years of work that led into that. Can, can you tell me a little bit about that story and what that really means about the cold calling and negotiations that are going into this business? Yeah. And that was at a time where like, you know, I, I still don't even think like, I still don't even think that it is fully burst into the mainstream. Like it could be, but back when that alienware deal happened, that was super rare. You know, that was at a time when it, the only sponsors in MMA were like MMA warehouse, fighter warehouse, tap out, you know, uh, warrior wear and things like that. But, um, you know, alien wear was like, like I used my network from my ad agency world, which I think helped me cross this bridge pretty successfully. You know, I didn't, a lot of the times, um, what I see is the managers in this space, they'll come from either no background at all or from like a legal background, you know, and I have lawyers, believe me, and my lawyers are great, but they're not the most creative sometimes you know uh so i feel for me uh my my creative background my marketing background my ability to market and brand companies i think i just flipped the switch in my head to where i'm just gonna market and brand a person uh so the the, the crossover was pretty seamless and i and i think that i was also one of the first ones in the industry to kind of be like that like with, with jens for example when he fought my I had no idea what I was doing, but I was going to tap into every resource that I had to make sure he had some sponsors that have never been in the sport before. And we ended up getting him Call of Duty by Activision, Paramount Pictures for a movie called Cloverfield, PC Gamer Magazine, 
things like that. And then after I got that, I wanted to make sure I branded and packaged him so that when he was standing in front of his banner or when he walked out to the cage, he looked like an Olympic Olympic teammate or a soccer team where they have everything was kitted out, you know? And I think at the time, nobody was doing that. He had a black banner. He had red and black shorts and, you know, a green T-shirt and all – and just logos just plastered all over this black vinyl banner. Well, I wanted Jens to look like an action figure in a, in a G.I. Joe package is what I keep saying, you know, and just have everything flow nicely. And, I, I mean, it worked. I think now, you know, I don't want to say that I was the first, but I've been told I was <laughs> to do that. And now everybody's doing – you know, really nice fight kits. So, well, and it's funny because yeah. I I remember that moment. I remember thinking the UFC was behind it because it was so well packaged and it's kind of so out of the ordinary for us being shown. I think because I was I was on when it was on Spike, right? When he had that fight. Yeah. Yeah, if I recall correctly. And so I remember that happening and being like, oh man, someone's stepping up their game. You know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> and crazy to know that all it took was a little bit of. Uh, at advertising and management experience being molded into putting it into a, a good direction. But it, it, right. I mean, there has to be some level of sincerity, right? That's going into that. How do you balance that sincerity of, of Jen's and his brand or Rose and her brand or, uh, um, you know, some, all these other young fighters you have coming up like Naimov and all these other great people, like how are you balancing their brands with their public image and that sincerity? Well, uh, like I said, it's just getting to know, getting to know them. You know, Naimov has been, he is, he's another one that's a completely different, like there's no blueprint. I don't have a book that works for Naimov and Rose and Jamal. Naimov is a completely different animal in his own. And the fact that his first fight in the UFC, he's got a soccer stadium of people watching him in Tajikistan at three in the morning. And he's got hundreds of thousands of real followers before he even fought in the UFC, you know, like I've never dealt with an oddity like that before either, you know, so, and, and Naimov is, he's just a, he's a good, he's just a good person. And I'm just, I'm trying to figure out how, how he brands himself because he's really just a hardworking, super humble, humble kid with so much support from his country that I don't see a lot of countries doing for for their fighters. So like I said, it's his first fight in the UFC. He's been with me for years. Um, and he's here now, but I just, we're, st we're still trying to, trying to figure it out because, you know, different culture, different, you know, I, I, I still working on it. Work in progress is the more I get to know him, you'll, you'll start to see the more he, he, he puts himself out the way he should. Well, I think that's the great thing about him being in the UFC is it's such a global platform and obviously they do, certain global regions better than others but i feel like they do such a great job of telling a story when people are coming out and performing then they'll help pick up the reins right and help carry that story along with them and i, I think having him in a league like that's just got to be awesome for helping grow him not just as a fighter but as a, as a brand and as an entity yeah yeah he's he's got a tremendous amount of support and i'm really excited for him he put in man that kid put up so much sacrifice just to be in the states to be away from his family to train to fulfill the promise to his father and you know all these things and and he's here now and he had the as good a debut as you could have you know a short notice fight up a weight class knocks the guy out and gets the knockout of the night performance of the night bonus um in his debut so yeah i'm really happy for him and then you know that's obviously you know I've, you had this great quote i mean 
correct me if I'm wrong, but something like the, the fight game can be a minefield or a gold mine. And I, obviously you've been pretty adept at navigating the environment. In retrospect, is there any advice that you would give someone who's starting in the journey of the fight business today based on all these experiences and lessons that you've learned? I mean, it's the same thing I tell my kids and I tell anybody. It's just, you know, you, you be aware of yourself and, and build bridges, don't burn them. I mean, this this is this this business I can tell you when I started this business and I heard about other management companies that were ripping fighters off and doing things out in my head because I came from you know marketing advertising corporate side of things I was like how do you how could you do that you know like it didn't make sense to me and then as I got into it and my other business started suffering because I was putting so much attention into this hobby of sucker punch uh, my income dropped from my ad agency you know pretty quickly and I was in a really I probably was too old at the time. You know, I'm 52 now, and I was 15 years ago. You know, to, at that age, what is that? What would that maybe late four, late 30s, 40 something? 38, right? 38. Yeah. That's pretty old to completely shut down a 13 year old business and start a brand new career. So it was high risk, and there was a time where I was paying for you know a couple of I had a couple properties at the time uh, on credit cards, you know, just to keep the mortgages going, and I'm like shit. So I could see where cheating could have come – was very tempting. Uh, I could see where there was, uh, there, there was that temptation when I would get the money in. Like, oh, well, what if I just paid my mortgage and, and then the next check that comes in, I could pay the fighter. And I, I heard those stories from other management companies that would do that, and they ended up getting themselves in deep holes and the fighters find – so that I think was a catalyst for a lot of these – bad reputations that happen with management. For me, I just made sure that as soon as it came in, I just, every single time, I just took out my piece and sent it out. I didn't look or blink twice. I didn't even let myself think about the temptation because I already knew it was there. And I did that, and I, I could have sunk, but uh, I just remember one day all the bills were paid. Like, the mortgage was paid one month, and I was like, I didn't say a word, you know? I didn't want to say anything. And then the next month, they were paid again. And then paid again in the next month, and I, I still kind of have that mentality in my head. Fifteen years later, that all the bills are have been paid. I'm, I'm still don't want to really talk about it too much. But uh, I would just say, be honest, be ethical, and build bridges because you never know when that bridge, when someone's going to cross that bridge. I can build. A, I've, I've had situations where I've built a bridge with somebody, and then eight years later, something comes to fruition from it, and I'd already forgotten that that bridge was there. You know, it takes a lot for me to burn a bridge, um, but I'll only burn it if you've like blatantly been a dickhead. Uh, you know, so yeah. It, well, you know, and it's a small industry too. I, I think because you see it on ESPN and Amazon, all these different fight leagues and content around it. I don't think people realize how small it is. I think doing this and just the short time I've been working in the industry, meeting the people that I have, just like. 10 webs of connection to every person, right? And so it's the type of place where if you burn someone, I have a feeling that. It... Yeah, I mean, you would think, but there's still a lot of the, you know, a lot of the shadiness in this business is still here and it's been here for a while. So you like wonder like how long can you continue to do that? But again, I don't, I, I try not to concern myself with it unless it's directly in, impacting me. And when it does, I'll, I'll actually address it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll go straight to it and just, you know, 
the fuck what are you doing you know that type of <laughs> but uh yeah who knows man i guess there's there's always room for fucking dark when it's light out <laughs> that's true yeah yeah and in, in the sport too but I, I i will say i feel pretty blessed that there's a lot of light in the combat sports industry and all the people around it for the most part have great stories and are trying to do good even if they're trying to do good by besting other people by punching and kicking them in the face it's still you know the the combat and the athlete and the warrior mentality that is pervading through the sport sure yeah and yeah. uh you know are there any fighters that you have on the roster that we need to be keeping an eye on right now Oh man, we have a lot of prospects and you would throw that on me now and my mind is, I have to be looking at, but I, I yes, we have, we have several people that are going to be on contender series this, this coming season. We have some prospects that I, I have, I'll, I'll tell you, I have, uh, I have a, a middleweight named, uh, Mansoor, you need to keep an eye out for Mansoor. I, I don't want to put 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 too much out there right now because he's only got a couple of fights. But this kid is, uh, he's going to be a world champion in my opinion, and everybody's that's worked with him. Uh, uh, who else do we got? We got, I don't know. We got a few, man. I'd have to. <laughs> I know I'm you honest. guys got a huge roster, so <laughs> yeah, we got to remember everyone now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Brian, uh, if anyone wants to engage with Sucker Punch or support your athletes, how can they go about doing that? Uh, I mean, you know, you can follow us on our social medias, which is at Sucker Punch ENT on Instagram. Uh, um, we're pretty active on there, and you can kind of see a lot of our roster uh, being active on that account. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit active on Twitter, but that's more personal for me. I just like to vent out sometimes when I'm I use it to vent. <laughs> so, and usually it's not even about MMA. Um, yeah, I'd say just follow us on Instagram. That's that's probably the best way to keep tabs on what's going on. Yeah, well, we're we're more than just our business too. We're allowed to have personal opinions out there as well, which I also respect. And glad that you're out there doing that. Yeah, I I, I can I can get caught up in it, and people are like, "Oh, don't waste your energy on it." But sometimes after a day of being on the phones and doing all the stuff that we do as you know with all of our people here we also have a great team it's not just me um uh sometimes i just want to get out and check people <laughs> on on dumb shit that's not even having to do with mma so i usually do that on twitter well brian i appreciate you taking this time uh, this is you know a journey for me having these conversations and i'm learning so much every time i have one and just appreciate you being willing to do that today no problem man appreciate you having me on yeah, I appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. All right, thank you. Man.